price drop? Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent. Being there day and night. And building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Is it good or bad that I've lost track of how long we've been in the offseason? I don't know. But a quick gander at the old calendar tells us that we are now about three months, minus a couple of days. It'll be about three months by the time we get back around on Monday into the fantasy offseason. That's kind of crazy, actually. And a good sign... Because that means we are three months, basically, from the start of the next fantasy regular season. It's a half-and-half split, ladies and gentlemen. Mid-late October to early mid-April. Pretty close to half a year for the regular season. And we've had free agency, and that's what we're working on right now. So we'll get into that momentarily here on the podcast. First of all, hi, everyone. Welcome to Friday's edition of Fantasy NBA Today. I am your host, Dan Bespris. I can also be found at Dan Bespris on the new Threads app, which, mind you, does have some problems. I'm not going to come on here and tell you guys that Threads is all, you know, happy-go-lucky, whatever, but there's something, I don't know, kind of kind of fun, I... I know I'm seeing a lot of like, oh my god, there's so much stuff going on. And yeah, that's also true. But there's also something kind of enjoyable about being a part of what could be a shift in how people communicate and or get their news. I would say there's still probably like an 80 to 90% chance that we ultimately settle back on Twitter as the fastest news source. But, I don't know, my running thoughts on this is that we're a couple days in, and Meta, the Meta company, IG, Facebook, whatever, they're trying to fix their deal, and Twitter is sort of trying to break theirs. It's a really weird thing going on, where one, just like, all you have to do is get out of your own way, and no one will ever challenge you, and Twitter cannot get out of its own way. It's just every month there's some other thing they're taking away from us because, I don't know, call it cost-cutting or like a, a harebrained crusade. Either way, this is an opening. 
You just you create enough openings, and eventually somebody's going to try to nail you on it. And that's what's happening right now. So the thing that's kind of fun, and I'll, I'll just, like, I'll go full honesty on this one. The thing that's kind of fun is that, for me personally, I got onto Twitter as a fantasy analyst in, like, 2016 and even that was questionable. It was almost like the end of 2016, beginning of 2017. So it really hasn't been that long for me that I've been on kind of this side of the curtain. This side of the fourth wall, if you're treating my existence as a, a film. For most of my life, career, or even Twitter use, because I signed up for Twitter in 2012, I think. But that was mostly just to see what was going on, and then run the Twitter feed for the Bakersfield Blaze. Minor League Baseball team, we've talked about this. I worked for them for a number of years. During that time, I barely tweeted from my personal account. I mean, you can go back and see how many tweets I sent between 2012 and 2015, and the number is extraordinarily low because I just didn't even really know how to use it. And I wasn't a fantasy analyst yet. I was just playing on my own. I played a lot of fantasy sports, but... I didn't feel like anybody really cared about what I was saying on it. So the reason I give that background, and we're not just launching headlong into, the, into more free agency news, is that the, I, there's something cool, I guess, about feeling like no one's got a head start on me on threads. That, not to say that everyone is on level ground, because obviously, like, you know, Woj, take the... the preeminent example of basketball journalism or basketball newsbreakery. It's probably a better word for it. He can just tell all of his people on Twitter, hey, I'm over on threads and of the, you know, whatever, how many people follow, how many people follow Woj on Twitter? Like 100 million or something stupid? Uh, very large number. I don't think it's quite that big. And then a lot of, some percentage of those will migrate over to threads and I can kind of do the same thing with my whatever it is 16,000 not not many compared to to Woj but not everybody's going to jump over there quickly and so there's this kind of not level playing field but slightly more because for my entire fantasy career anyone that was doing it before me and that's a lot of names out there, had kind of like a fantasy or like a uh, an optics head start. And everything I've done since then has been an effort to try to catch up a little bit. This is a really interesting opportunity for smaller websites to catch up a little bit with bigger ones. Because bigger ones are going to get out there, but... They're trying to figure out how to do a bunch of different things at the same time. They've got a social media person, but that might not be a fantasy person. Sports Ethos, uh, you know, our social media people are, are our fantasy people. So I think there's a, a ever-so-slight leveling of the playing field between the big, big guys, the big sites. You guys know the big sites. Not ESPN, because that, you know, whatever. Like the big fantasy sites, the ones that have been around for 15, 20 years. The Roto Worlds, the... Spots like that, where now with Ethos, that has been around for like a quarter of that. Maybe this is an opportunity to kind of catch up a little bit. So that's why I find this a tiny bit exciting. That's why I would love for all of you guys to download the app. 
If you have Instagram, you can just link it. It's real fast if you have Instagram already. Apparently, I did. I actually didn't even know I had an Instagram account, but I went to go try to set up a Threads account, and they were like, dude, you have an Instagram account. Just log into that and link it. So I did that. I'm an old man now. You guys know that. It took me, I don't know, five minutes to figure it all out. So a younger person or someone more skilled at using their phone for things probably could do it in less. I will continue to be on Twitter. Um, and the, you know, the biggest news that comes across, I'm still going to put a tweet out on that on, on the Twitter side. But if you guys want to hang out with me, if you want to interact, that's basically something that I'm trying to do over on Threads right now. I'm going to put more of my ass into that. So if you have a fantasy question, hit me up on Threads. If you have a question about life, hit me up on Threads. I am sending out all kinds of inane crap over there. You, I mean, you really want to get to know Dan. That's the place to do it. So check it out. Uh, hit me up over on that one. And uh, everybody else, you guys probably already follow me on Twitter. I'm going to continue to kind of try to push people towards the new platform here for the next, I don't know, we'll call it a couple days, couple weeks, something like that, see how things shake out. And then, you know, if Twitter gets their act together and gives me a tweet deck that doesn't suck, I'll probably come back. And, I mean, I'm, I'm still there, but I guess I should say I'll probably come back and, and go back to doing most of my stuff on Twitter instead. Uh, but for now, I'm going to flip it. It's going to be like 80-20 towards threads instead of, 100% on one, and none on anything else. I don't know why I spent like five minutes talking about this. It's just, this is this is a pivotal moment, I believe, in how we're going to get our news and communicate with one another in the fantasy space. This is, I know every, oh, please talk about fantasy sports. I know those of you that listen to this show and you're like, Dan, please get to the fantasy sports. This could be the most important thing that happens to fantasy basketball for the next five to ten years. This moment. This is important. Me talking about the impact of... Shoot, who was the last one we, we left off at in our, in our last discussion? Me talking about the impact of Jordan Clarkson's extension. Yeah, that has a, a short-term, impact on, short-term impact on what we're going to do on the fantasy space. But what if we are witnessing a one- or two-month slow boat-turning pivot towards a new way that we get our information. We need to be on top of that. The big dogs are already over on the new site. Wode, Shams, the aggregators are over there. It's, it's really, it has a chance. But let's talk a little bit about the news we working our way backwards. That's what we were up to lately. We uh, So there was nothing new today, by the way. Um, Jeff Green officially inked his contract with the Houston Rockets. Oh, the Sixers signed Montrez Harrell. So now Mo Bamba has a backup. And that whole like burger board, dra- burger draft board thing might have gotten a, a punched a hole in it. I still think Bamba's going to be the, the primary backup to Joel Embiid. But now there's someone challenging him if it's not going great for Bamba. By the way, in all of the crap that Twitter's done, uh, all of my settings to not let videos autoplay have been completely goofered also. So 
just chewing up all the RAM in my computer right now. Anywho, let's get back into the mix here. Uh, the next one on the docket was Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson uh, set to finalize a three-year, $55 million contract extension with the Utah Jazz, which is, for me as a fantasy enthusiast, not my favorite thing. Jordan Clarkson has a brutal fantasy stat set for nine category leagues. Turnovers are very high. The field goal free throw situation, one is a much larger negative than the other is a positive. He gets no defensive stats of any kind to speak of. And his value is very much tied up in points and threes. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Jordan Clarkson is also one of the toughest players to argue with people about in the fantasy space. Sometimes this is just because of league settings where I'm out there in a 9-cat roto format and I'm like, dude, he is droppable. He is a drop. He is near the back of the top 200 this past season. And, by the way, only played in 61 ball games. So it's not like there was this big leap forward in durability because the Jazz went into tank mode towards the end of the year. I get it. 21 points is alluring. It is. 21 points is a positive. A pretty good positive, actually. And two and a half three-pointers is actually a positive. And people are like, oh, well, he gets 4.4 assists. Well, look, for someone taking 17 shots and four free throws a game, for someone with that level of usage, four and a half assists is actually not all that good. And four and a half assists to three turnovers is a one and a half to one assist to turnover ratio. Also not good. Points formats, he's quite successful. Because two of his worst categories are field goal percent and turnovers. And free throw is a positive for him, but not that big of one. So you wipe out a very small positive and two big negatives, then yeah, obviously he jumps up the board. And eight category leagues with turnovers being a negative for him, he moves up the board as well. In my eyes, not far enough. He goes to 120 range if you're an eight cat. But if you're punting all three, field goal, for uh, free throw, and turnovers, and you're effectively a points league player, now he's inside the top 100. Wee! Still not that exciting, but better. All right? So, now, the Jazz ink him to a three-year extension. Well, 
This is notable for like kind of two reasons. Reason number one, uh, it's hard to break them down into a specific, like, what's the category here? The big thing, in my eyes, is that we haven't really seen Jordan Clarkson and Colin Sexton and Lowry Markinen as kind of the, the core now for this Jazz team. Sexton missed half the season with injuries. He was never really right this year. They were playing him very low minutes. They were slowly ramping it up. He got hurt. It never stuck. Mike Conley was there for most of the year. Malik Beasley, uh, yeah, he was there for most of the season. Jared Vanderbilt, who doesn't really impact Jordan Clarkson in any way, but he was also there. These are guys that all got shipped out at the trade deadline and cleared out more stuff. I just, I struggle to see a universe where Jordan Clarkson does more 17 shots and four free throws a game. I mean, that's that's a, a very big amount of stuff he got to do. Larry Markin was the only player on the team with a higher usage rate than Jordan Clarkson last year. He took 17 and a half shots per game and six free throws a night. But Markinen was going 50-88 on the field goal free throw splits. That's a pretty big jump from 44-82. Also, Markinen got nine rebounds a game in addition to the other stuff. So neither one of those guys does much defensively, but boy, there's a big difference. So is there a universe where I'm drafting Jordan Clarkson? Uh, the universe is if I'm in a points league. That's basically it. Um, could his assists go up from 4.4? I, I, I just, even if they did, I think the turnovers would move with them in a really dissatisfying way. He's not a good passer. This is not, by the way, this shouldn't be taken as the Jordan Clarkson clowning hour. He's just... Like, 4.4 assists, that was a career high for him this last year. He had the ball in his hands a lot. He has historically been a little bit better at getting steals than half a steal per ball game this last year. So, yeah, there's a universe where that could come back up to, like, 0.7. But does that really matter? And he's not a great three-point shooter, but he's taking a crap ton of them. So, like... He is the prototypical chucker in the NBA, and he has a chucker's fantasy stat set, which is high turnovers, low field goal percent, that drags everything down, and nothing really to, to sort of buffer against that in the rebound defensive stat or really even assist category. I see no real path for Jordan Clarkson in nine category leagues to get inside the top 100 on a per-game basis. I don't. You know, there was one year he shot 88% at the free throw line. Is there, is there a, a chance that could happen again? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. If that goes from 82 to 88 or 89, that pushes him up the board a little bit. But the rest of his stat set just doesn't, it doesn't support it in a nine-category league. And frankly, if, if you had to ask me, am I happy or sad about this? I'm kind of sad about this because I was hoping that Clarkson would go somewhere else to a team that's not kind of in a rebuild and do whatever it is that he does and I could and I could ignore it and then that would open up so many looks for everybody else in Utah 
you know, John Collins is jazz now. Those are looks that I would like to get shuttled to someone who's a little bit more efficient. Even Collins Sexton is more efficient. Also not a terrific passer. Sort of a shoot-first point guard type, these guys. But at least Sexton, you know, he shot 51% this year. He's been around 50. That's an area he can crawl up near that. Clarkson's just not getting anywhere near that spot. So, yeah, not my favorite thing. Oh, well. Uh, I think they've got Chris Dunn on contract another year. That's another one where I'm like, look, if Clarkson's gone, then this guy gets to probably help out a lot at the point guard spot. They'll they'll run other guys there. They'll, you know, young guys like Abaji, Ochai Abaji, he's more of a wing, but that's a guy that suffers as you take usage away. And they drafted Taylor Hendricks, so that's going to be a little tougher for him to do stuff. And Taylor Orton Tucker, who I also don't like his fantasy stat set, but all these things, putting Clarkson right back into the mix here. And by the way, he was already signed for this season, so uh, it doesn't change things all that much. But he goes from being a very tradable, expiring, to now basically signed with Utah for a very long time. So that he's he's there now. They're not they're not unloading that contract. Ah, well. On to the next one. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo. Again, we're working our way backwards. I think we just now got to Saturday. Saturday the 1st? Yeah, so we're all the way back to Saturday now. Dante DiVincenzo, four-year, $50 million with the New York Knicks, which, by the way, really fits the Knicks. You know? He's, 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 he fits their mold. And he played with some of those dudes, so that doesn't hurt the, the cause either. But we're worried about the fantasy side. Reality side, he's a good fit. Fantasy side, meh. DiVincenzo was number 114 with the Warriors this year, which actually isn't bad in 26 minutes. And when guys were hurt, he was able to push his way inside the top 100. Sort of looking at it. If you just look at the second half of the season when Steph missed a bunch of games and... Uh, Clay missed like four or five. He was actually relatively healthy. Andrew Wiggins was out almost the entire second half of the season. DiVincenzo was more like 80 to 90 range instead of 120. It corresponded, it corresponded directly with him getting a few extra minutes. You know, he goes from 24, 25 when the team was healthy to more like 29, 30 when a key player was out. But if you look at the New York Knicks, and how they're constructed right now. I don't know that he has an easy path to 29 or 30 minutes per ball game. Right? Brunson, he's there for a bit still. Randall, he's there for a bit still. Mitchell Robinson, so that knocks out three of the five starting spots. R.J. Barrett typically has one of them. And then you've got... Quentin Grimes, who started a lot of games. Does DiVincenzo just jump over Grimes? Does Josh Hart get a look in that spot? There's kind of like three guys there that are all fighting for effectively the same sort of role, which maybe that isn't entirely fair because, you know, there's backup minutes where R.J. Barrett is on the floor and there's backup minutes for Brunson at point guard. There's backup minutes for Grimes. But you're, you're not playing... 
DiVincenzo higher than small forward. You can maybe squeeze Josh Hart into a power forward minute if you had to. Uh, but from a, like, is there a path to get Dante DiVincenzo to 28, 29 minutes a ball game? I, I don't think so. Clearing Obi Toppin out, I guess, is a little bit helpful there. But you still have Emmanuel Quickly, who they're very high on. He's going to pick up a lot of the backup point guard and shooting guard minutes. In fact, he might just get all of them. So now you've got Josh Hart, Quentin Grimes, Dante DiVincenzo that are all kind of fighting for whatever that, like, it's the hustle three-pointer role. Who's going to get it? <laughs> it's too much, man. I like DiVincenzo's fantasy game. With, with, with starters minutes someplace, he could put up top 75 to top 85 range value. But I just, I don't know how he gets there in this spot. Especially when you consider the fact that the Knicks are not a super high-paced team, so it's not like there's just going to be shots to go around. He was on a team with two or three guys that were taking a lot of shots, so he's kind of used to being in that more marginalized role. That doesn't change for him very much. But from a, like, could this dude be a top 100 play per game in 9-cat? The answer is... Uh... 10-15% chance of that? More than likely, he probably about duplicates what he did with the Warriors this last year, which is maybe 25-26 minutes per ball game, if he can get to that. Top 120 range type of numbers, because he's not shooting very much. It's a couple of threes, decent steals numbers, and then you just hope... I mean, this is a weird thing to say you hope for, but like if you're looking at, could he get to anything better... For his sake, you hope that maybe somebody goes down for, like, a month and he can squeeze it out. So maybe he's more of, you know, he probably does fit the mold of a burger board play. Dante DiVincenzo is probably a burger board draft play. Someone's going to get hurt. Barrett will go down for a couple weeks. Or, you know, Tibbs plays his guys so so many minutes that eventually they get hurt a little bit. So, you know, Josh Hart, we know he plays himself into injuries pretty often with his effort level. Let's say he goes down, or Grimes, or maybe two of them at the same time. Then DiVincenzo becomes a, a you know a single burger guy. Speaking of burgers, when you go to the bathroom, you close the door behind you, right? You don't want some rando wandering through the men's room at the burger lounge, looking in at you like, hey man, what you doing in there? I'm going to the bathroom, dude. What are you talking about? You don't speak in the bathroom. Don't you know the rules of the men's room? What, do you talk to the person next to you at the urinal too? Hell no. You're a psychopath. Get out of here. So why would you let people look in on you when you go on the internet? That's not to say that you're doing something lurid on the internet, but look, your online privacy is important. So is mine. That's why I use ExpressVPN and you should too. Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like... Going to the toilet and not closing the door. Somebody's just watching you do whatever dirty business. How is that? Why? How does that make sense? Well, your ISP is that creepy rando. They know every single site you visit, and they can sell that information to ad companies, tech giants, etc., and then they use that data to target you. So let's say you were maybe a better metaphor to say you're in the bathroom on an iPad, and someone looks in and they're like, hey, buddy, what you surfing? You're like, dude, I'm trying to trying to go to the toilet here. 
I'm like, oh, cool, you're checking out a sweatshirt? I know a good sweatshirt for you. And then they, like, come over and uh, just put a picture of a sweatshirt they like right in the corner of your screen while you're trying to go to the bathroom. You don't want that. I'll tell you, uh, so forgetting the toilet for just a minute here, it's really been a wonderful, wonderful tool for me to get to use over the last couple of years since we've been partnering with ExpressVPN. Just from a privacy standpoint, it is really refreshing to go on the computer and go on Amazon or... Uh, Facebook or whatever, and not see a hundred targeted ads based on like one search I did four months ago that my ISP's selling them off to. Like, I don't need all of these Hot Wheels. Please stop putting Hot Wheels on my thing. I got it for a kid's birthday. So nice. It's so nice to not know that they're to or to know I should say that they're not staring down the back of my neck at all times. Phew. ExpressVPN creates a secure, encrypted tunnel. You guys know what a tunnel looks like. Between your device and the net, so your online activity cannot be tracked by anyone. Works on iPhones, all phones, really. Smartphones, laptops, routers. Everyone who shares your Wi-Fi is good. And all you got to do is turn on the app and click one button. That's it. It's as easy as hitting the lock on the bathroom door. Get an extra three months free of ExpressVPN by going to our special URL. That's expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Our old site name for three extra months free on your ExpressVPN subscription. It is once again expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Close the bathroom door behind you, please. Who's next on the board here? Uh, next thing that happened, if we're going backwards on Saturday, is that the Clippers traded for K.J. Martin of the Houston Rockets. They sent a couple of second-round picks back to Houston because everybody loves second-rounders all of a sudden. I'll tell you, these teams that were flipping around five second-rounders at the trade deadline, those actually have a lot of value all of a sudden. I don't portend to understand the new CBA. Um, that is the uh, wrong usage of that, by the way. That's, a, that's that's not at all what that word means. Uh, portend is is like uh, foreshadowing, I think, right? Like something is about to happen. I don't, I don't understand the CBA at all. I also don't understand how to use the word portend at all. But I do know that second round picks are becoming more valuable. As far as uh, KJ Martin on the Clippers, he joins in a vast array of wings, but at least he's a slightly younger one, and will not have fantasy value. Unless the Clippers trade, well, let's see here. Who would the Clippers have to trade for K.J. Martin to hit some kind of fantasy value? They'd probably have to get rid of every wing that's not one of their superstars. So, let's see here. Rob Covington, you gotta go. Nick Batum, you gotta go. Um, Let's see, who else has gotta go? Uh, Norman Powell, you probably have to go. Uh, Anybody else gotta go? Marcus Morris probably has to go. Anyway, you get the picture. K.J. Martin's not going to get enough playing time to do something in Clipper land, so I think we can move along with that. Jalen McDaniel signed a two-year deal with the Toronto Raptors. I like Jalen McDaniels a lot. And, you know, he's not dead in the water up there in terms of could he find his way into playing time. Now, we kind of have to wait and see how the dust settles in Toronto. Uh, But, so they've got, still for now and 
they might still trade some guys, but they still have Boucher as sort of the primary backup center on that team because they brought uh, Jakob Pertl back, or you know, he'll put his name on the, the line here in a moment. It sounds like he'll be back with Toronto based on what we're hearing. And Otto Porter is technically still under contract, although who knows if he actually gets out there and gets to play at all. Precious Achua is still floating around. But they might end up liking Jalen McDaniels, and he might end up playing his way into a bigger role. I think the beauty of this discussion is that we don't need to have an answer on him today. You don't need to draft him. Nobody needs to draft him. We can actually just see how Toronto lays out their stuff, because they don't have Freddie Van Vliet anymore. He went to Houston. Is is Toronto going to run huge and you know make Scotty Barnes like a point forward to start things, or is it going to be Malachi Flynn? As the starting point guard on that team, have we... Oh, Dennis Schroeder, is he the starting point guard on that team? I, I guess probably Schroeder, but we haven't gotten to him yet, so don't worry, we'll loop back around to that one. So then you got uh, Gary Trent Jr., who uh, might be the starting shooting guard, or he might be the first person off the bench. Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Jakob Pertl. They still have sort of more guys than they know what to do with in terms of playing time and fantasy appeal. And all that to say, if McDaniels outplays Achua, which he probably will, and outplays Otto Porter and Thad Young, who, you know, I've loved those guys in their younger years, but they're very old now, then maybe he does find his way to sort of the, the, the preeminent backup wing forward guy but what does that even mean for Toronto? Yeah, I guess we'll see. You know, Nick Nurse hated to play his bench. Uh, Ryakovich might not. I don't think you need to draft him. I think you can wait and see on that one. Russell Westbrook, back with the Clippers on a two-year deal. And do I care? I do not. Russ got to sort of be Russ because, as per usual, someone on the Clippers was out, or some ones. Norman Powell was hurt a bunch this last year in addition to the typically injured Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Kawhi missed 30 games. PG missed 26. Norman Powell missed 22. That left an opening late in the year for the uh, weirdly durable Russell Westbrook, who came in and uh, got to get all Westbrook-y. In those last, like, 15, 20 games of the Clips, he averaged you know, 16, 5, and 8 or something like that, and his field goal percent wasn't a disaster, but his free throw percent was, his turnovers are, he doesn't hit three-pointers. He's a rough, rough asset in nine-category leagues. You can go Russ in points leagues only. That's my take on that one. And look, he probably will play for this team. He's Russ. It's almost impossible to keep him from sort of willing his way into a lineup. He seems to have more influence on the game than the head coaches do, like 90% of the time. So points leagues, yeah, you can go the Russell Westbrook route. He'll probably be okay in that respect. Um, Because frankly, look, if you're just punting free throws and turnovers alone, he becomes uh, a pretty useful fantasy play. If you're punting field goal percent as well, that pushes him even a little bit further up the board. So points leagues have at it. 8-cat, not enough for me. 8-cat, free throw, punt? Then maybe you look at him. 9-cat, don't even take a glance in his direction. You, you, Your team will die. 
I don't use that term lightly. Your team will actually die. Jock Landale was the next name on the board as we continue to work our way backwards. Four-year, $32 million with the Houston Rockets. He is a very good backup. Uh, Landale was in Phoenix this last year. He and Bismarck Biombo split the center minutes pretty much down the middle when DeAndre Aiden was out, um, but was to some degree kind of superfluous and now goes to a Houston situation where he is very clearly the sole backup to Alper and Shengun. What I'm interested to see, and we don't have a whole lot to work with on the Ime Udoka front of like how he's going to deal with things, but we do know that Udoka values toughness in a big way. Shengun played 30 minutes a game uh, down the stretch this last year. Um, he was at 29 for the season overall, and, and it sort of slowly ramped up by a little bit. And some of that was just attrition, like, you know, Houston got rid of guys, and they simply had no competent backup centers on that roster, like, at all. Usman Garuba, sorry, that's just not going to do it. Um, they had another one who I think they got rid of partway. I forget, doesn't even matter. Jabari Smith Jr. has center eligibility in some formats, but, like, Look, he didn't really play there either. So it was kind of Shangun or bust for a lot of the time for Houston. And Alperin, for as good as he is on offense, and he's pretty damn skilled around the bucket, his defense is atrocious. And the defense of the entire team for Houston was atrocious last year. Just, like, embarrassingly bad in every respect. But... And it's not to say that the big man is going to get blamed for these things more than others, but if your perimeter defense is extremely suspect, the guy behind them has to be a bit more aware of what's going on than we got out of Shangun. So you saw him getting benched from time to time. Fans were pissed because fans were like, look, we're losing anyway. What are we doing here? Let's just get the guy out there who makes this thing a little bit more fun to watch. Uh, and Steven Silas was like, I can't, I can't in good faith leave this dude out there because he's just getting cooked and I'm being pulled in a number of different directions and I have to leave my other young guys on the floor, even though they're getting cooked. And it was just a lot. It was a lot. That was, that team was, uh, a total mess. But now there's an expectation in Houston, not necessarily of winning, but they brought in guys that are supposed to help with this. So Freddie Van Fleet, who's a little bit better point of attack defender, Dylan Brooks, who for all of his warts, and there are many, Dylan Brooks is a good defender. We can all defend his defense if we, as we talk about Dylan Brooks. He talks too much, his offense is terrible, but defensively, he is good on that side of the ball. So Houston brought in some guys that they expect to defend a little bit more. Now... That does kind of put a little bit, in my opinion, more pressure on Shangun because if he now finally has a little bit of help, let's assume that he does. Tari Eason, actually not a bad defender for Houston either, so maybe we see a little bit more of him. Jalen Green, not great uh, on defense. And Kevin Porter Jr., also not very good on defense. Jabari Smith Jr., he's still got to learn. He just doesn't have the NBA body, or he didn't in his rookie season. But... Suddenly now there are a couple of guys that can help. And hopefully that then trickles down to some of the other perimeter stuff, which means 
this is going to be on Shangun to be in the right spot. Because now if he has a little bit of help, it's not that we can just kind of look and go and sort of wave our arms and say, oh, well, everybody on this team sucks on defense. Which, by the way, very accurate last year. They were all horrible. Now there's a little bit more on the line. This could go two different ways. If Shangun shows an improved awareness on that side of the ball, then he locks in with a better team, and that probably helps him overall. From a fantasy standpoint, I don't know. Like You probably want the ball in his hands as much as possible, but just like overall, an era of good feelings, maybe that helps his numbers. I'm also, I admit, a little bit nervous that if he's not covering the right spots if his body's in the wrong place and he now is the person that you can point at and say okay well look it's not on all five guys anymore it's on this guy Landale is someone that could come in and take a few of those minutes I had I thought about this one for a really long time because I've seen uh I've seen opinions in both directions and there's a lot of really good points being made I think to say Landell is just a backup probably oversimplifies. And to say that he's going to take Shengun's minutes also probably oversimplifies a little bit. The reality, and you guys know me, I'm always trying to toe the line on this podcast. The reality falls somewhere in the middle. But from a handicapping standpoint, having a backup now that's more capable is probably... Not a great thing for Shengun because now he really has to prove it. Now, if you believe that he does get better over this offseason, then he shouldn't have a whole lot to worry about. But if you believe that he stays roughly the same, I would worry that his minutes actually come down by maybe something small. It might only be coming from, you know, he ended this season at 29 minutes per game. Maybe that drops to like 27 and a half. But you want every minute you can get out of your guys. If Shangun gets better at the free throw line and improves his defensive awareness, that's how he takes that next step in fantasy. Because 15, 9, and 4 with a steal, a block, and 55% from the field, I like all of those numbers quite a lot. But the free throws at 71, turnovers are relatively high, and the awareness stuff, that's where he gets held back. So I do think overall the Landale signing is probably not great for Shangun. It's better than if they had brought in a starter to take his place. But comparing it to this past season where he was fighting with a total no-namer for minutes or like an array of no-namers, this is probably a tiny bit worse. So he's got to take that jump forward. This is the moment. Do we have time for one more? Uh, Who's next on the list here? guess it depends. Oh, Dylan Brooks is next on the list. How about that? All right, well, we'll just stay in Houston and we'll finish up with Dylan Brooks. Four-year, $80 million deal with the Rockets. Now, this does come back a little bit to what we talked about two days ago on the pod, which you may recall on Wednesday we mentioned that a team that's not what you'd call a destination has to overpay a little bit to get their guys. Rockets had to overpay to get Freddie Van Vliet. They overpaid to get Dylan Brooks. But they kind of had no choice, and they had all the cap space in the universe, so it was like, ah, eh, whatever, let's just get nuts. This is way too much money to give to Dylan Brooks. But at the same time, you know, 
he's an NBA caliber player. Um, all that stuff with LeBron calling him old and then like that was so dumb. He needed to just keep his mouth shut because you don't. What do you do when you see a bear? You let it sleep. You don't poke it. Idiot move. Keep your mouth shut. I think Ime Odoko will actually be good for Dylan Brooks because it feels like Memphis, sorry Grizzlies fans, Memphis, the, the culture around this Grizzlies team was not great. I don't know if I'm going too far out on a limb with that one. Other than JJJ, who's just like the world's best dude, um, Grizzlies have some stuff they got to sort out. And Dylan Brooks was a part of that mess, but I think Udoko will get him straightened out. What I don't really know is that like, does he come in? I can't pay a guy $80 million to be, like, a bench player. I'm assuming Dylan Brooks is going to start for this club. And if you're eyeballing a Rockets roster right now, you figure Freddie Van Fleet, Dylan Brooks, Alperin Shengun, Jabari Smith Jr., Jalen Green. That's probably your starting five. Kevin Porter Jr., I- I'm guessing, now becomes sort of your bench gunner. I don't think they're going to do that to Jalen Green. He was like the top pick. And then the Rockets also got some draft picks that I'm assuming are coming off the bench for this club, but they got a lot of stuff to work through. I I mean, the short version is you're not drafting Dylan Brooks in fantasy because he's another guy whose fantasy game is just not developed. Brooks is number 228 in nine category leagues, and it ain't because of his turnovers, friends. He was worse in eight cat. Dylan Brooks had two positive fantasy attributes this year. Three pointers, where he hit two of them per ball game, and turnovers at 1.4. Every other category, the other seven categories, he was worse than fantasy league average, which is rough when you're a wing. 3.3 rebounds, yuck. 14 points, not up to 16. 2.6 assists, nope. 0.9 steals? Nope, you want more than that out of your wing. That's actually the one where he got the closest to being also a positive. He got to like 1 or 1.05 steals he could have gotten there, but nope. 39.5% from the field? My goodness. On 14 shots per game, you don't have to worry about him being a fantasy asset in Houston. He's going to play, and it's going to be fantasy gross. And that's where we'll put a pin in things. We got so many more players to go through, everybody. We'll pick up on Monday uh, with Dwight Powell, who returns to the Mavericks. That'll be the first player we talk about on Monday. Uh, reminder, once again, come find me on threads. I really do think that this is this is the start of something interesting and special. And look, if you want to be someone in the fantasy space, this thread stuff is a great way to do it. You could have more followers than really famous people in a week. I don't know. None of us really knows how it works yet. So come find me over there. It's also Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I'll put the link in the description of the podcast. I'll put the link on Twitter. I really do want to try to move as many of you guys over there as I can here in this short term. And let's see if we can't get a head start on everybody else. I need your help. Let's all do this together. I am Dan Bespris for Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. Got to get them over there on threads as well. Yelling at you guys. I got to yell at myself to figure this out on our own end. Ah, well. Sportsethos.com. Go get yourself a fantasy pass. Get yourself an NFL draft guide. Oh, by the way, uh, by the way, 
Cool content over on our YouTube feed right now for NFL fantasy players. We got the Fantasy Roadshow. That's Fantasy NFL Today. They're doing a live mock tomorrow on Saturday over on our YouTube page as well. That's youtube.com slash sportsethos. And thank you once again to our partners at ExpressVPN. Have a great weekend, everybody. I don't know how many weeks of the offseason it's been, but either way, we'll see you on the 10th. Later for now. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Start your electric journey right here, right now. With a Volvo XC90 Recharge, our plug-in hybrid SUV with extended range. For more everyday electric journeys on a single charge with a hybrid option for longer adventures. Contact your local retailer to book a test drive or design your own vehicle at volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC90 Recharge Plug-in Hybrid. The electric car with a backup plan. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.